Yeah, I just started. Okay. Hey, man, so I'm going to kick this off because it's something I got to, I have to address. Uh, you saw yes. the text message I sent you this morning. I saw them. All yeah. right. So some people watching probably already know about this. Some might not. I'm going to address it real quick and then we'll move past it. So okay. I recently did a video on Albert Hainsworth. Albert did not like the video, right? He had some stuff to say about it. Really, he didn't have much to say about it. Mostly what he had to say was about me and about some of his teammates that I quoted. So I've been thinking about this because I saw this last night. I do videos on people, right? And sometimes I have criticisms of people. So people have every single right to have criticisms of me. They got every right to have an opinion on like how I feel, you know, or what I say, what I do. That's cool. My issue, my issue is like the thing that annoys me about it, everything I say in the video, I substantiate. I have articles, quotes, interviews. Like I'm not making this up, bro. This is just, these are just things that have been reported. Everything he says in his response is more just an attack on me and attack on his former teammates. Like he yeah. never addresses anything. So I really don't care that he feels a way about me. That's cool. The thing that kind of get me is I really do take pride in what I do. You know what I'm saying? And so he said, like the first, one of the first things he says is, if you're going to make a video about me, try to get 50% of the stuff right. I <laughs> saw that, yeah. Okay, so he's saying that half of, the, half of the stuff I'm saying in the video is wrong. If that's the case, what is it, bro? Like, he never addresses anything in the video. He just say, hey, look, I know you got all these documents and all of this and all of this and all of this, but guess what? It's false. Now, let me attack you real quick. Says something about, I'm just looking for cloud or... You know, it's like really a lot of stuff that I don't really take too seriously because I know who I am. Yeah. In the video, I've got a part where Chris Cooley says like a long detailed thing he said on the radio about when Hainsworth was with the Redskins, he would tell teammates that he was pretty much just trying to get the guaranteed money in the contract and keep it moving. So I lay all of that out. He doesn't actually address that. What he does no. is he just says, yo, Chris Cooley, well, let me tell you something about him. Right? So then he go and find some dirt about Chris Cooley somewhere with Chillers. Same thing with D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo Hall, I have a clip where he says, dude faked an injury. Now, I also have the footage. And what Albert may or may not know, not only did D'Angelo Hall say that, I have another clip that I didn't put in the video from Clinton Portis telling the exact same story. And then there's another clip of um, Santana Moss saying, oh, yeah, I remember agreeing with the exact same stuff. So, bro, it's multiple teammates saying this. But, again, he doesn't. He never addresses the actual thing. He just throws D'Angelo Hall under the bus. He says something like he used to drink Hennessy in the locker room. Like, you know what I'm saying? So he just kind of try to find dirt and then throw it onto the person. So that's my thing. Like, I have no intention of going back and forth with this. And I'm fully aware 
that I could make mistakes. And something that I put in the video could have been wrong. It could have been inaccurate. And I've been called out before, like not much. Usually when I get hit up about a video from a person who was in the video, it's them saying, bro, this video was dope. Damn, how'd you find this out? Man, I forgot about this. You feel me? Like I've been hit up a bunch of times or there's been posts, my stuff been reposted by the people I make these videos on. And it's never been nothing negative ever until now. So <clears throat> I kind of took issue with that because I just don't like, I don't like how he kind of tried to paint me in a certain way. But I know for a fact, like he didn't even look, he didn't even try to see like who I actually am or what I actually do. He just kind of, he watched the video, he took offense and you know, he started throwing names. He said some stuff in there about, he threw racial stuff in there. He doing like name calling in there. He said something about my locks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like little kid shit. It's kind of like one of those things where I wasn't even going to address this because it's like, okay. It's almost like argue with like a, if you argue with a kid, like a seven year old, I'm like, bro, you said you cleaned your room, but the room ain't clean. And he'd be like, well, you a stupid doodle head. It's like, I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm not really going to engage with that. And like, that's kind of how he came at me. So it is what it is. I just wanted to come on here and kind of clear the air and say, if I made a mistake in a video, I'll always own up to it. I'll always address it. And I'll going forward, I'll be more mindful of it. If it's something egregious, I might just delete it. Depends on like, what it is like if I said it was 34 million and it was 32 I'm human I made a mistake but if it's just completely baseless then cool I can address that but just like kind of the way he came at it was I hate to say it it really almost just it kind of like proved a lot of the stuff that is in the video like it's consistent it's consistent with the same type of behavior that all of these people accused you of in the video bro you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the wild thing about it, bro. You know, but like I said, it's it's fair play because, again, I make videos about people on the Internet. So they can definitely have an opinion. They can definitely speak on it. They can definitely correct something I said. But with this one, it was really just it was just like a small little quick attack on me and like what I do. And then a quick attack on like his teammate. He threw them under the bus. Real quick. So, you know, it's one of those situations where it's really not that big of a deal. But, you know, I just wanted to address it. Because I know people's going to ask me. People have been asking me, like, how I feel about it. You know what I'm saying? That's that's always been something I've wondered. What would ha like, this kind of moment is something I've always not waited for. But I felt like it was going to happen at some point. Someone getting upset about something that one of us said. Because it's yeah. bound to happen. It's just bound yeah, to yeah. happen. Yeah. It just makes me wonder... If he's just angry about someone's like saying something bad about him again, because he just doesn't like that. And he just isn't going to refute anything you're saying. Or if someone's actually upset, why doesn't he lay out what you, what you got wrong? You know and, what I mean? And that was my thing. Cause it's like, I understand he doesn't owe me an explanation. Right. I get that. But my hope, my only thing is, is like, if you're going to say, Hey man, like, let me back up. Let me say this. I know a lot of people who work like traditional jobs who maybe you was an NFL player because he went on because I never how I never accomplished nothing and all this type of stuff. People who work traditional jobs or, you know, he's he seen millions. He didn't touch millions. So you kind of have a disrespect for what we do. And a lot yeah. of people that do what we do 
have a disrespect for it. So they'll put out anything and they'll just, you know what I'm saying? They'll do whatever because they're just trying to get, they don't care. I'm not that person. So the fact that I really do take what I do seriously and I'm really trying to do the best job I can. I understand I fuck up. I understand this. I'm going to always, I'm one dude doing a whole shit. Like, I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to, like, shit on what I do, just tell me what you think I did wrong. So I can at least take a look at that. And uh, I can take a look at myself and be like, okay, I messed this up. Maybe I could have, you know, and I'll do that. I'm that type of person. But his whole pose is just, you know, it really just, like, it's just random shit. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, uh, it's just super immature. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's hella it was immature. A- it's like, him not actually calling out nothing I said. He just wanted to attack my character and try to shit on me real quick. And, you know, that's what It that was, was a very emotional response from him. He was just upset. Yeah, yeah. That's all. So yeah, which is fair. I, yeah. yeah. Which is fair. I hope it's able to just, like, wash away and, you know, you guys can just move on. There's no there's not another message there's not something else you know i think it's just at this point it's just a weird thing but yeah yeah but yeah i think you're handling it well i mean it's not really that big of a deal like you said it's just words yeah yeah, yeah for sure it's, i was pretty surprised and i want to stay on it you were surprised reading it well it was just crazy like he was he was really pissed yeah 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 he was <laughs> He was pissed. But the thing, bro, I really don't know exactly why. Other than the fact that, you know, a lot of these things that are being said about you aren't nice. So I get that. But, like, are you saying, if you're saying that this stuff didn't happen or that it's inaccurate, I just, I can't find that information. Like, all the information I found, this is what it was. And if anybody who follow me, you know. When I go into a video, I'm trying to find the redeeming qualities. Like, that's kind of my thing. That's my favorite type of story to tell. I'm looking for the person that's going to make the mistake and then shake back from it. But sometimes I do these videos and it's like, I can't find them, bro. Like every teammate I found, like nobody had nothing good to say. So if that's the case, what you want me to do? Like, you know what I'm saying? That's what the story is based on the information that I'm able to find. And then I tell the story. I've been doing this for what, four or five years. And I've never... Like, I've never had a person from a, a video I made on them hit me up with anything like, ne- actually, I had one a long time ago. I had one cat that said something I said was wrong. It was like in the first, like, 10 what happened to us I did. I won't bring his name up right now. Yeah. Other than that, though, uh, from the Ray Rice video, very difficult topic. His wife hit me on um, Instagram, loved the video, loved how I used the quotes, used their words to tell the story, which is the exact same thing I did with Albert and the exact same thing I do with everybody. But when people willing to take accountability, they appreciate that. But when it's everybody else's fault, then they they don't want to hear that. You feel what I'm saying? Um, you know, Young Way Cool, he hit me. He loved his video. Ryan Bros hit me. He wanted me to do a video on him. He requested one. Uh, Takeo Spikes, you know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can throw out names and that's because my track record is strong. Not that it's, it's like perfect and I've never messed yeah. up, but because people could tell I'm going at it with the right energy. Like I'm not going into this just trying to shit on you, bro. This is just the information that's there. You feel yeah. me? I'm just basically taking all this stuff that's on the internet, putting it in one place, wrapping it in a nice 
thread that flows, trying to deliver it in an entertaining way and giving people the info. Because if not, then it, people wouldn't even watch the channel. Because technically, they could find all this information on their own. Because it's there. It's all on the internet. I'm not making this up. So, you know, I uh, when I looked at it, bro, I really wasn't sure. Like, I could break down this whole message. Or I was just like, I could just say something real quick and kind of keep it moving. Yeah. Which I think is what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's just, it's one of the things that's is interesting. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's an interesting topic because I try to look at it from his point of view as much as possible. And like if I was him, how would I feel about it? And so I get him being upset if he feel like the video misrepresented him. But yeah. if it didn't misrepresent you and you just don't like what's being said, like you got the power to turn this narrative, bro. Just, you know what I'm saying? You can make these changes. Like you feel me? You can look at this and be like, ah, damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe, why is it that all my former teammates is talking about me like this? Like, maybe it was something I did. Maybe. Maybe let's look in the mirror. You yeah. feel me? And so that's the same thing. The same thing applied for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll watch the video again, and I'll see, like, is there anything that I could have maybe done a little bit better? Maybe I had something in there that was inappropriate, or maybe I could have left something. I left a lot out, actually. But, like, a lot. You feel me? Because I didn't want to – I was. it wasn't my goal to, like, I'm not trying to make you look bad because if I was, it's there. It's on the internet. It's not that hard to find. Yeah. You feel me? But I tried to leave out the stuff that was unnecessary and just kind of piling on because I don't want the video to come off as overly negative. But, you know, it, it came out how it came out. But yeah, I'll look at it again. And um, going forward, I'll be a little bit more mindful. And I'll try to keep that in the back of my mind that, you know, sometimes these cats will watch these videos. But at the same time, I'm not gonna lie about shit. Like, I try to, I try to come at it from a positive standpoint. True enough, but I think people still watch because they like the positivity, but they also like the fact that when you, if a person like fuck up or do something dumb, I'm gonna just say it. Yo, this right here was dumb. This was tra like this was trash. That was lazy. I'm not gonna disparage you as a person, but this right here, what you did, you fucked up, and I think you know that. You feel what I'm saying? That don't mean like that you like irredeemable but you fucked up right here and this is the situation we talking about so i'm just gonna call a spade a spade with that you know what i'm saying but i don't know man i got like so many scattered thoughts about this shit and about like the topic in general but yeah i don't know i don't know i think your process and how you do things and you you paint the picture in a way that shows all sides of it and usually you give the people the benefit of the doubt so you know, I wouldn't, if I was in your shoes, I don't know how I'd feel. I would have no idea how to react if someone said, the closest thing is we made a video together and someone on Twitter sent a long message to me, really pissed. Like they were saying all these horrible things about me and my channel and what I try to do and exploit people for views and stuff. But they deleted the message within 30 seconds. It was like one of those, like it pops up, I read it. And then like when I refresh, it's gone and that account's gone. Cause they, I think they had messaged me and then they deleted it and they either felt bad or like whatever I'm out. And then they just like got rid of it all. But someone was so upset, like 15 minutes after the video was posted that they said something. And it was one of those moments that made me realize that people do watch our videos that maybe don't necessarily like what we're saying, even if it's true. And it's, it's one of those things to be careful. I've made mistakes just like you. So 
it, this is one of those things that even from an, another perspective where I'm not even a part of it at all, it makes me, as I'm going to be working on videos in the future, kind of think about that a little more. If I'm talking about some guy, I'm almost gonna, like picturing him watching me talk about him. How would I want to paint that picture? Not necessarily meaning that I'm going to kiss his ass, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just slander him just for the sake of like making it entertaining. And I haven't seen your video, so I need to watch it and see if there's anything that you're just like piling on, but I doubt it. I, th I think this is just a case of someone being upset. You know, your title kind of hinted that he stole money, Yeah. you know, and I'm sure he probably saw that and just was immediately already upset. Yeah, which is which is fair. But like in the video, man, it's a pretty compelling case. Like, I'm gonna just talk about it real quick. So here's what happened. And you can feel about this how you feel about it, but this is just the information I found. And it's interesting, right? So, okay. When, he's, when he originally signed his contract with the, uh, now the football team, with the Redskins at the time, it was the richest defensive contract ever. He was due, see, I'm finna, it's either 32 or 34 million, guaranteed in the first 13 months, which is dope from a you know a, a negotiation standpoint. But so he signed the contract, I think, in February of whatever year, say, oh, nine. And then April of the next year is when all of the stuff starts where he can pass the conditioning test and he's not going to um, he's not going to go to the uh, like the OTAs and all of that stuff. And you have an issue with the coaches. And it was just it was a hell of a coincidence because after that original 13 months, now you got to think. His teammates, Chris Cooley and whoever, is saying that he said this, that he said he was trying to get the money at the front of the contract, and then he was trying to get cut after that. His teammates said that. And if you follow the timeline, you can see immediately after the 13 months, he, if you follow his behavior and you look at what Cooley said, it lines up, right? Now, I wasn't there, so am I 100% sure that that's what happened? Nah. But- it does make sense. Like, there is evidence to support that theory. You feel what I'm saying? And that's what I'm pointing out in the video. But like I said, he didn't refute that. He just was like, you know, fuck this yeah. video. You know what I'm saying? Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? So, it, I don't know, bro. I thought I did good work on it, personally. <laughs> well, it's I did. doing well. Like, I really, I was proud of what I did. Yeah, it's doing good. People it's doing well. Like it. You're proud of it. Yeah. I think that's good, then. That's all that matters. <clears throat> that's it, man. It's funny because, like, if you look at my track record, a lot of times when people have been unhappy with me, like viewers, is when they feel like I'm almost being, I'm finding like good traits in people that they don't like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's really something I like to do. Because I like to separate. Yeah, okay, you did this real bad thing right here. But if you look at everything else that this person has done, it was all good. So they, this seems like a good person to me. Based on just documented information, and then they fucked up one time. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying. But in this case, it it just that stuff wasn't there, bro. Like that stuff, that good stuff wasn't there, bro. Like when I did the Red Rice video, it was hella information out there about all the stuff he was doing with the kids, the children's hospital, and all this stuff way before his incident. But nobody was talking about it. So in a video, I'm gonna highlight that. You know, so to me, I'm looking at this and this whole thread, this is the story that it's telling. But, you know, the hangword thread was, it was a little bit different, you know. And, you know, the thread is what the thread is. But 
I uh, we can really change the subject at this point, but okay. I just wanted to, or you know, if you got something to say about, it, we could talk about. It. I'm just saying if I'm if I'm rambling on, it's on my mind, so I'm rambling yeah. on about it. You know, this but, is sports therapy, yeah. so if you need to talk, you talk. I don't have much on it other than I would say I'm on your side, and I think that I if that. he had changed and he'd become a better man, then he either wouldn't have said anything or he would have told you how he felt from like a better logical point of view. So the fact that it's, he said what he said, the way he did kind of shows that you were right. And he, unless, unless he's right, but he just isn't willing to say it, which is weird. You would, you think you'd defend yourself overall. It just, it just seems like uh, one of those situations. Someone's upset about what you said about them, even though it's true, just cause they don't like to hear the bad things being said about them. Because no one likes to say, yeah. it, like, if you did something That's 10 true. years ago, you did something 10 years ago. Yeah. And I make a video and I'm like, yeah, Flemlo in 2010 was doing this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> wow, what a douchebag yeah. that guy is. And then you're like, yo, bro, that was 10 years ago. But if you had changed, you'd be like, hey, man, I'm changed. Like, you kind of go from that perspective. You wouldn't just be like, oh, just slandering my name. You know, look at you with your doo-doo dress, you know, like that crap. Yeah. And so yeah, that's that's about it for me. Yeah. Anything and else? <laughs> well, just on that same on that same line, because I think about that. Like I think about that shit. Like you know, you're talking about something that somebody did however long ago, and you're bringing it up in this video. And that's why I'm always very conscious to isolate that incident, and then as we move through the video, tell you where the person is now, like how they address that situation, grew from it, learned, moved past it. But that's just not what the information points to. It's not what it suggests in this case. You feel what I'm saying? But in almost every, like in 99.5% of the videos, that is the case. But in this yeah. one, you know, that's what the information said, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's just what the information said, and that's tough. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, people with a lot of money tend to not like to think that they can do anything wrong. And so however they do things is the right way. And that's kind of the downside to having money and people around you who will be yes men. Yeah, and I got to keep saying this because like if people watch this and like I just, this internet shit, man, you got to really be, try to be clear with your words, which is why I was hesitant to even address this on a podcast because I knew I was going to ramble instead of having my stuff succinct. But yeah. um, I just I like to to throw out that, and if you watch my video, if you follow me, you know this. This is why I say this stuff so much. People probably get tired of me saying this in the videos. It's the we all fuck up. Everybody like I say that so much, and like I always say, I'm not perfect. I remember when I was this age, I was doing this. I throw that stuff out there so much because I just don't want people to think that I'm trying to come at you from like a high and mighty standpoint because I'm not. You feel what I'm saying? I'm just, yeah. I'm observing the situation and I'm trying to feed it back. You feel what I'm saying? And I'm trying to take stuff from it also. And I'm trying to learn and move from it and the audience do the same thing. You feel me? But, um, you know, that's something that could probably get lost. And I would imagine if you don't watch my videos, you might, you, you could easily miss that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you saw one video, you could easily miss that. Because I think sometimes I... Maybe I'll take for granted because, and this is an example. I was reading this comment and 
even though it doesn't seem to be like very subject, like very objective, I still sat back and I'm trying to think like, okay, where am I, where am I fucking up at? You feel what I'm saying? Like, how could I have avoided this? What could yeah. I have done better? <clears throat> and one of the things is, I think I've gotten to a point where I've done these so much, I began to take for granted the relationship I have with my audience. Cause my audience know, they like my audience know almost like how your partners know. Like you ain't gotta like qualify yourself around your partners to give all these caveats. Cause they know where your energy at, they know where your heart at. But you know, as the channel grow, new people come in who don't have all of that context. So all they seen was the last, all they saw was this. So it can be real easy for them if I wasn't like over the top, we all fuck up with all this. If I ain't said that 50 times in this particular video that they saw, they could very easily think I'm just awesome. I'm trying to judge dude type yeah. of energy. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's something that I think I got to figure out a way to keep that going without boring the people who constantly watch the videos, but enough to where if somebody new was coming in, they would understand that and be able to take that in and move forward. Most yeah. of the time people get it because if you look at the community that we got, if you come in and look at my comment section, you don't see like a whole bunch of craziness. You know what I'm saying? Like my comments is, is pretty cool for the most part. It's like, it's chill people who kind of got the same energy because they reflect, you know what I'm saying? They reflect like the energy of the person that they watching. Like if you go to somebody who doing a lot of crazy kind of toxic type stuff, you look at the comment section, it's going to reflect because you attract them type of people. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? So I just feel like I can do a better job of trying to convey that to new people that might be coming in, that might be seeing me for the first time so that maybe the stuff doesn't get misconstrued like it is with this situation. You know? um, I guess the last way to kind of wrap it up is are you going to address it in any sort of video or anything or are you just going to drop it? I would like to just address it here. I don't know if I really got my point across the way I wanted to in this stuff. I think so that's have. that's what that's what I decided. Okay. When I sit From, when I sit down and I edit it and I and I look at it, if I feel like I addressed everything and I hit it well, then I probably won't. Like I don't want to. I don't plan yeah. to. I plan to be done with this. I mean, but it's just my, like if I left something out or if it's a crack in it and like if people have something to say or if he has something else to say and I feel the need to further explain or to defend myself, then I will. So yeah. I want people to understand that. But as far as just my plans with it, yeah, my plans with it is the same thing I told you. It's like, so what, what you going to do now? It's like, I'm going to address that shit like a man. And then I'm going to move on with my day. Tomorrow, I'm going to be right back on my schedule. I'm going to write my fucking yeah. video and grind my shit out the same way I've been doing for the last five years. Because that's, in my view of a man, like that's what you're supposed to do. And when I preach that shit, like, I mean that, bro. Like I really try to live by that. So that's what I'm going to do. You know, and that's that's the way I'm looking at it. That's really the way I'm going forward with it. So, what cool. you want to talk about? You want to talk about the games? Uh, or you got something else to talk about? We can talk about the games. That's that's like the first thing on my mind. Just thinking about it, because okay, okay, yeah. I mean, the thing was, I, I I was getting hyped for the championship games. Of course, then we started a, a project like in my backyard, like doing some yard stuff. I still watch the games, like probably seventy five percent of them, um, but I just wasn't really focusing on the game. <laughs> like I normally would. But from what I saw, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I, I actually, I felt like defenses kind of showed up this week. Like to win the games, it felt like the Chiefs defense showed up 
and it felt like the the Bucks defense in the fourth quarter showed up. Those those two things stood out to me the most about the games. Like obviously, I think Brady and Brady played well in the first half, and they had that crazy play right before halftime. I don't think the Packers made some good decisions down the stretch, especially on fourth and goal, deciding to kick it when they were down by eight. Uh, yeah, I just thought the Chiefs' defense proved how like they were so good. The Chiefs' defense is so underrated because of how much the offense gets talked about. Like Chris Jones is a monster, and Frank Clark is a monster. Yeah, and their DBs are great. Tyron Matthews great. And they, they just play so well. And I think it's because they know their offense is good. So they're just willing to just, you know, like slick their hair back and just like bats out of hell. Just like go at them without any worry. Because it's like, oh, we give oh we give up a touchdown. Okay, well, Mahomes will yeah, go get us one. Exactly, exactly. And that's a great right. way to be. That's a great place to be, honestly. Um, it It's going to be interesting because the Super Bowl matchup itself, and I'm just kind of going with where my thoughts are, is – Obviously, okay, so I was talking to my dad about this. Mahomes is my age. He's a month older than me. Brady is like two days older than my dad. So it's literally like my dad versus me, like generation-wise, at quarterback. That's insane. Yeah. That is so crazy, bro. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty much exactly 18 years apart. So, Damn. Yeah, that's... When you put it like that, it feels so weird. It just it's doesn't also feel real. Fun though, right? Like it is. It's yeah. so fun, bro. You got the actual the old goat versus the young goat in the Super Bowl. That's yeah. And can't really I think, ask for a better story, you know. I think it's that kind of like everyone like that LeBron versus Jordan matchup where everyone wants to see what it looks like, but it can never happen. Well, this is the perfect situation because you have Mahomes with all his weapons and his abilities, like uh, physically. You have Brady with all the weapons and he has all the like the mental skills of like like he's seasoned. He's like made for this moment. And he's got the best weapons he's ever had around him. And so I'm just excited because I think I think that I just think I'm gonna <clears throat> for the next two weeks find every way to get hyped up about the matchup because really people need to realize we're probably not gonna see something like this again. We're probably not we'll, we'll see some great matchups probably in the future, but <sighs> Brady versus Mahomes, like literally. It's what I was rooting for. It's what I was rooting for 100%. This is exactly what I yeah. wanted to see. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's the dream matchup as far as like we look back 20 years from now at the history of football and like legacy moments. And it's just going to be one of those standout like Evan remembers that. So hopefully the game's good. And the last thing I'll say before I turn it over, because obviously I didn't go really into depth, but that, that, that game made me feel so much better about the Browns. <laughs> yeah. That Chiefs game, because yeah, well, because one it, the Bills defense is legit. So the fact that they couldn't really hold the Chiefs offense at all made me feel better about the Browns defense. Kind of changed my mind a little bit. I don't know how I feel today about like th- there needs to be new players for the Browns and maybe like a, a coaching change, maybe not. But just the fact that the Bills were going into that game like red hot, everyone was saying, "Oh, they're probably going to win." You know, it's like, oh. They're stacked. Josh Allen's coming around, and it's like their offense could not move the ball very well at all. Like I thought, I thought the Browns put up a similar fight or a better fight because you know they got nine points to start the game. The Bills were up nine nothing, and then they blew that. Whereas the Browns started down fourteen nothing or whatever or ten nothing. I can't even remember, but that overall that game just made me feel good about the future for the Browns. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. It um it, it was kind of funny because yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I understand. You have to create drama and stuff. And the media been like kind of crowning the bill. And I like the bills, bro. But like I just felt like they were sleeping on the cheat. Like they was treating the Chiefs like they wasn't the Chiefs all year. But again, I I think that's more just to create try to create yeah. some excitement and so people don't feel like they know exactly what's gonna happen. So I get that. You need stuff to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but from the game, bro, the thing that popped out to me from the uh the Packers game, bro, and look, I love Aaron Rodgers. He loved some points on the field, bro. He like, bro, he was missing cats wide open, like two or three times, like big plays. Obviously, Devontae oh, Adams yeah. dropped that touchdown. The very next play, Lazard is wide open on the under route. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, Where I he got that. the two inside receivers that go and get the linebacker. He comes, but he's he's forcing it to uh to Devontae Adams, who's who's out of bounds. And it's like it was plays like that. Also the play where it looked like he could have ran it for the touchdown, and but he throws the incompletion. Maybe oh, he yeah. doesn't get the touchdown, but he get closer. It wasn't fourth down. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So they probably scoring the next play, they're probably gonna go for it on their fourth instead kicking field goal, right? Because you get a little bit closer. And it was some, you know, it was some plays, and I said to to the fellas in the first half, I wouldn't dare like tweet something like this, <laughs> because I don't want to like position myself like I think I'm a damn expert. This is just like what I'm seeing, right? And I was like, yo, do y'all feel like Aaron is way too casual in this game? Because I was like, yo, Brady is gonna put his foot on his neck. Like you can't play with that dude at this point. Like this is a game goes to Super Bowl, bro. Like. Brady, he gon' he want the shit more than anybody else, and I felt like Aaron was a little casual. He was still a little cool, and I was like, right, we'll see how this play out, and yeah. we see how it played out. I mean, the Packers had hella chances to win the game. I know people was complaining about the officiating and stuff. Uh, I mean, bro, like I say, the Packers was leaving points on the field, and I was like, they're not gonna be able to win like this because it's too yeah. many. Po- they left too many points. Too and many. they dropped that two point. You know, because Brady too, was right? really selling late. Again, leaving points. Uh, St. Brown dropped yeah. the two point conversion, leaving points on the field. So it was it was one of them situations where maybe there was some bad calls, but there's always some bad calls, bro. It's like it's refs; they gonna fuck up at some point. So you gotta take the opportunities that you get throughout the course of the game. I felt like the Packers was unable to do that, and you know the Bucks was able to take it. Um, as far as the Chiefs and Bills game, man, second quarter of that game. I never felt like the Chiefs was threatened, like ever. Yeah, like when the game opened too. up and Tyreek Hill, I was telling my boy when we was watching the first game and cat receivers was dropping all them passes, that two point conversion. I say, I'm gonna tell you what. I say, I guarantee you Tyreek Hill and them ain't gonna sell. They ain't dropping nothing. Game started, Tyreek Hill dropping pass on the first drive. I'm like, oh shit, I was wrong. Um, then on the punt, oh boy, oh, uh, Nicole Hardman, he, he muffs it. They score easily off of that. And I'm like, damn. But the thing I like about Miko, he come back, catch the first touchdown in the game, and he had several big plays throughout. Like, he didn't just let that one play just ruin him for the rest of the night. He shook back. And once the Chiefs got going, like, I never felt threatened that we wasn't going to get him a Mahomes Brady Super Bowl at that point. Like, once the second yeah. quarter hit, I was like, this is over. Yeah. Dude, that's – dude, with how hard it was for the Bills every time – it felt like Josh Allen was having to play Superman – just for them to move the ball down the field. Yeah. And yeah. just thinking about how teams are built, right? The the Chiefs are built so well. I said it last week with the whole like Madden cheat, like cheesy offense, but they're built so well that you don't know where they're going with the ball. 
because they have multiple guys that scare you. But when you look at the Bills, you're scared of Diggs, so then you double them. And then it's like after that, it's like Beasley. And it, then it feels like everything's limited because their guys aren't as good. It's like pretty much average guys after that. Like I don't know who's on the Bills offense. I, I don't know their team that great. But when I watch it, it just felt like they didn't have many spectacular players on offense. Whereas you watch the Chiefs and everyone impresses you. Everyone on their offense impresses yeah. you. And then you look at the Packers and it feels like, you know, like when you're playing Madden and you get, like you said, you get casual and you have a great player like Devontae and you're just kind of like, okay, well, I'll drop back and I'll probably just throw it to him pretty much no matter what. He wins most jump balls, whatever. It felt like every time, it, even watching them all year, it just feels like they get in the red zone and it's almost like they're playing on Devontae Adams' my career mode and they're trying to get him like records for, because they like, they set up Do plays they? over and over for him. Yeah. Yeah. And and See, it's I like really okay, them a lot throughout the season. Yeah, I, I I would just have their games on, and every time they get in the red zone, they do that fade on the left side of Devonte, or they do that two receivers out. He's on the inside the slot, and they set that pick, and he gets the outside rub, and he gets like little uh, flat route touchdown. They they always set him up specifically for touchdowns, and for whatever reason, teams kind of let it go in the in the regular season. Maybe that's kind of like a. I don't know what it is, but in the playoffs, those kinds of things always tighten up. Like great receivers seem to either flourish in the playoffs or just get totally like disregarded. Like you don't even hear their name. And it's because they scheme differently. Like teams, teams now are going to be like, okay, they go to Devonte every play in the red zone. So let's just do whatever it takes to slow him down. And they didn't even do that that well. He was wide open on that first one. Yeah. And they he, fell asleep it, and the Packers didn't capitalize. It was just crazy. Like it just feels like they were just they built their team around throwing it to Devontae in the red zone because he had like some ridiculous amount of targets, touchdowns, and everything in the red zone for the year. Like he was the most in the NFL in all of them, and it really feels like they try to go to him every play. And so, I don't know. Was you was you on Twitter last year, like during the draft? Uh no, it, the Browns didn't. The, they were going tackle. They went Wills, and so I was. No. Okay. So last year during the draft, man, first round, the Packers picked Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. Twitter goes crazy. I'm, what the fuck are the Packers doing? Like, I don't even type stuff like that. I don't tweet stuff like that. But even I had to come out and be like, bro, what the hell am I, like, what are they doing? They was a game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a probably game. what cost them. You know what I'm saying? Instead of adding an impact player on either side of the ball, they went and got a developmental quarterback. That's what they did with their first round pick. One game away from the Super Bowl, bringing pretty much their whole team back. Yeah. And so all year when Cass was like really excited about Green Bay, I wasn't like talking down because I wasn't watching them to say, but I was like, yo, what about Green Bay got people so excited this year? Like what is different? What 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 made me think that this team is going to get back to the NFC Championship game and lose just like they do like yeah. the majority of the time and not only lose, but look outclassed. You know what I'm saying? Just like uh, I think it was the 49ers last year. So it in the end, at the end of the day, it kind of looked exactly the same way. And now Aaron Rodgers is contemplating his future. You know what I'm saying? I thought he really didn't play well in this one, but uh, you know maybe he do need to change the scenery. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe yeah. he need to get out of there. He can. Adam Scheffner was saying he could. He got like three years left on his deal, but he could pretty much force his way out pretty easily. He could yeah. retire or he can just demand a trade. You know what I'm saying? Dude, so it, maybe it's that tough. Happens. Yeah. 
it, it's just tough. It feels like, like you said, like you watch them and even when they're winning, you know, like the year the Atlanta Hawks were the number one seed in the East in the NBA a few years ago. And they, uh, no. I, this is really random. Maybe it was like 2014, 2015. <laughs> It was one of the years when Cleveland kind of took their foot off the gas in the regular season. The Hawks were the number one seed and the best team record-wise. But the whole year, it's like you knew that they weren't going to win at all because they just didn't have anything spectacular. Well, Devontae Adams is great. Devontae Adams is incredible. But when you have one guy to throw to, like all their other receivers are like 70 overall guys. Like they're like guys that you could plug in randomly as like third or fourth receivers on most teams. They're not special. And when and that Valdez, happens, Valdez Scandling is a seventy-eight out today. Valdez, whatever his name is, Scandling. <laughs> he get him says that. I, I know you're saying that. Valdez, yeah, he was he was ball. He was seventy-eight. But yeah. I got you. But overall, when the offense, when the skilled players aren't that special, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. It doesn't matter. Josh Allen was incredible. He he plays. He's so fast and he's so big and he he escapes so many things and he can throw the ball so well. But when guys can't get open or they're not that great like at the end of the day it's like you can a defensive game plan can stop you for a game unless you have the the type of offense like the chiefs or the, the bucks because they just have so many players everywhere and when you don't know who the ball's going to that's why i think the patriots system with brady for so long was so great because they never had like a number one number one guy when they were winning and and it makes it so then you don't know what the next play is. But when you get in the red zone and it's at the five-yard line and it's solo coverage on Devontae, you know it's going to be the fade. Like you, it's, You're screaming it, and the defense knows it. Even though it works a lot of the time, it's still like that's, that's all you got. You don't have any sort of creative schemes to throw it to the, the tight end or some shit. Something else that hurt the Packers, um, they were expecting a step from Alan Lazar, right? Al Lazar, he finished last year extremely strong. Yeah. And I was expecting him to have a big year this year, but he got hurt, right? And he missed, I forget how many games, but he missed a good number of games. And when he came back, he wasn't quite where he was when he left. You feel what I'm saying? And he just couldn't yeah. seem to get back there. And um, I think that definitely hurt because they was looking for a certain amount of production from him offensively that he was, he was unable to give him due to injury. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Now, he would have caught a touchdown probably in this game, but, you know, Aaron missed him on that one. It happened. Yeah, that's that's bad. But, damn, it was bad. It was, that, it it was a, <laughs> it was a drag one. route across the middle, and no one was on him. That's pretty crazy. It was like, the, that is the route. Like, that had to be, like, the number one route on that play, right? That, maybe. Like, to me, like, that should be the number what, one option because you see that play all the time. You have that crazy triple move by Devontae, I think, right? Like he did that crazy looking route. Was that the same play where he, it was the back of the end zone and he, he caught it with his yeah, two feet out? Yeah, he was out. out of the back of the end zone? Yeah, he ran yeah. some crazy like stick and rod route where he does like this weird slant, a cutback move and go to the back. And just because he's doing all that work, it almost feels like, okay, that's the one route that Aaron's throwing on this play. Because they're, they're focusing so much on whatever route he's running. He's got his eyes so locked in on Devontae. My thing is... I feel so stu- I feel so stupid, like, cause like, you can't. How I'm gonna question Aaron Rodgers on this, bro? I feel crazy for this, but uh, this just sound logical to me. If he got like a triple move route, shouldn't he be like the last person you look at, like, or at least the second person? You feel what I'm saying? Because you can't throw it until he's done with the route, so you don't need to watch him run it. You feel yeah. me? 
let me check yeah. here, check here, and yeah. then go back. You know, it's well, like it seemed to make you know, sense. Like, you know the confidence you get when you throw it to the same guy all year on Madden or NCAA, and it works every time, every time, no yeah. matter what. <laughs> well, then when you get in the big game, yeah. you you haven't even thought about throwing the drag route underneath because every time you throw it to Devonte, it works. So obviously, it's like on that play, it's like there's probably it's the whole thought process is Devonte won. Everyone else is the backup plan, yeah. and I don't know. Obviously, I'm I don't I'm not even judging Aaron Rodgers' game. I'm just looking at a couple of those red zone plays that kind yeah, of yeah. It was just the one or two plays that was big that he, that he missed on. You know, what and I'm that's saying? when reason that's missed. when you love a guy like Brady. It feels like Brady makes the right decision in those situations a lot Most of, the, of time. the time, especially when it really counts. Like because Brady did some shit in the regular season where I was like, Yo, what? Who is this dude? He's washed. He's done. Yeah. But when it counts, you're like, oh, no, no, he's still there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He still got it. Nah, he's still there. It's the same thing with LeBron. Like, I see LeBron sometimes. He take a foot off the gas in the regular season, make some crazy. He try to do some crazy play and throw the ball behind his back out of bounds. I'm like, bro, what is Brian doing? But when it count, I always see me shut up. So Just looking at the Bucks and Packers season, it feels like the Bucks were trying to figure it out the whole time. And yeah. they still went eleven and five, just trying to figure out how to play. Yeah. Well, the Packers went, I don't even know, thirteen and three, fourteen and two. Something like that. And they ran like the same things all year. Like it just looked the same every week. It was impressive. Yeah. yeah. From what I saw, but there wasn't like a new wrinkle every week. Whereas like you see like the Chiefs or the Bucks, and it's like it, that's that's why the talking heads would be like, Oh, we don't know. They don't seem like the same team. It's like, well, they're just trying shit because when the playoffs come, they're gonna run the real shit. And that's right. what the great teams do, because they know they're gonna make it off of just running their shit, running. Yeah. You know, they're just call they're calling game plans that they wouldn't call in the playoffs. Yeah. So when a team like Oakland beats the Chiefs in the regular season, you're going, oh, anyone can beat these guys. And then all of a sudden you get in the playoffs, and a team like the Bills, who's red hot, looks like an inferior opponent on both sides of the ball. Well, it's just because they save their good stuff for last, and I think that's what like the Patriots did for so long so well because every year no one would say the Patriots were going to win it. They would go yeah. 10 and 6, 11 and 5. They didn't ever look that great. Yeah. And then every that one single elimination playoff, all that matters is you put together one good game plan for that team. Yeah. And that's that's just what the great coaches do. That's why Andy Reid's a legend. He, he, he brings something he got him, not that he got him one and low-key about to get him two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, you remember last week and I was saying that um I wanted my homes to go because He's just on a different type of mission, trying to stack up Super Bowls. Yeah. Remember I said that? Yeah. Like, bro, it dawned, like, it. I mean, I already knew this, but it dawned on me again, like, watching the game. I'm like, bro, what are we watching, bro? Like, bro, we watching, like, real, like, history. Like, yeah, it's this the best is stuff that in 10, 15 years, like, this is going to be legendary stuff. We living through it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Getting to watch it live. I mean, we ain't there, but you feel what I'm saying? Like, we living through these times. And it's, I, I just hope that people really appreciate what we're seeing while all the people on Twitter complaining about the refs and all that bullshit. Like, bro, I understand your team. You're going to be pissed for a while. It's it's fair. We all we all get that way. But, you know, I hope at some point they're able to kind of appreciate what Brady has been able to do. Because I used to hate on Brady back in the day, too. The first four Super Bowls he went to, but damn. After fifth, sixth, seventh, I was like, all right, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? This, clearly, the man is the GOAT. Let me just give him his credit. Like, yeah. damn, like, I can't keep pointing to, well, he only made it the ninth time because of this. It's like, bro, 
the dude to go. Give him his credit. I know he threw some picks at the end of that game. Oh, Mike Evans. Yo. And Leonard Fournette. I had to mention this, bro. That One of those picks Brady threw, bro, that should not have been a damn pick, bro. Do you know the play I'm talking about? Is it the that one? That was a the, blitz. It wasn't the deep ball. He just hucked it up and, and Evans didn't yeah. even look? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, he had one-on-one with Evans. So, he knew he was going there. That was his. That was like his high read. But Fournette was supposed to pick up that damn blitz. He completely just whiffed it. He, so Brady had to throw it early. And um, Evans turned. I guess he just couldn't find the ball. But I'm like, the DB found it. You know what I'm saying? And like, once you yeah. saw the DB adjusting, where he looked like, okay, he's yeah. adjusting to something. Like, go break the damn pass up, bro. Like, at the very least, don't watch him catch the pick. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That, have, that play irked me. I have two things I want to say. One... I, it feels like Brady and Evans have never been on perfect chemistry. Like when you watch them yeah, out of all the players, the, you'd think that they would get on the same page, but it just hasn't felt right all year. So the potential of what they could be is so much greater than what they are. So the fact that they're in the Super Bowl and they, it just seems like they're off is pretty incredible to me. <laughs> it actually is. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the second thing is just because I want to talk. I love talking about running backs. The most underrated part about a running back is how well they pass block. That's the most underrated mm. part about any running back. That's a fact. Yeah. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, great pass blockers. They they they're great. As they as much as they do in the run game and pass game, their pass blocking's epic. Um, yeah. Fournette came into this system, and he's obviously like the better runner than Ronald Jones. I think. I, I, I mm, that's my. I disagree with that. Well, that's just how I feel. If you're talking about a pure, just like downhill runner, if you can get him the ball in like a stretch play or a power play. Um, yeah. But yeah, in when that it comes, specific situation, I say yeah. Fournette's better. Yeah. But when it comes to pass blocking, you have to know the protections that the team's running. So it's like, you, you know, when you like uh, find the mic in Madden and it's like, oh, there's the mic on the right side or yeah. the left side. or It's like everything changes in protection. So if there's a free rusher on the right side, sometimes the line shifts and picks it up. And then the free blitzer comes in the middle Sometimes they stay in the middle and the free blitzer comes on the right. And the running back has to know those things. From my guess, looking from the outside in, is like Fournette came into the system a little late. And when you come into a, an NFL system without practicing in the OTAs and the preseason or whatever, you don't get the time to understand those kind of things. They just kind of plug you in and go, okay, uh, here, line up on the right of me and this is going to be a you know pass play. Or, oh, we're doing a power play to the right, so just get your steps down off tackle or, or whatever. That's, you kind of see that happen. Like quarterbacks come out and they're like shifting guys around because they don't know. It happens every single game, mm-hmm. even in the playoffs on every team. Yeah. There's always a guy who doesn't know. It's just there's a lot to remember. Yeah. So you put a running back in like that and it's like those kind of things happen. And those become bigger than like that pick could have changed the game. Um, it didn't, right. but it could have. And if he picks it, it that up, did. it could change the game in a different way. Exactly. Because if, if, that's probably a touchdown or yeah. at least a huge play. Exactly. So that's that's why football is the greatest team sport ever. Because as something as simple as like the running back who comes in who's doing a pass block could miss that block and that changes the game. Because the quarterback either gets crushed and fumbles or throws a pick or whatever. If he picks it up it's a totally different thing or the right guard misses his block on that play or whatever that's just all 11 guys have to be on the same page and if one guy's off there's a potential disaster waiting to happen hey it's because you play running back and i know you watch running backs closely yeah. i have to i want to ask some questions about 
Fournette, right. man. So, do you think Fournette is? Well, let me say it like this. It seems to me that Fournette is a really bad fit for this team. Like Brady loves to throw the ball to the running back. Yeah, Fournette he struggles mightily to catch well, the damn ball. What is Fournette's great skill sets? He's he's fast as hell for a big guy. Yeah, and he is very powerful when it comes to like power run schemes and those kind of things. He's yeah. not a great pass catcher. Already, that's already a negative in in Brady's thing. He loves the James White balance and lateral movement. His yeah, they are not they're not special. They're below average at best. Yeah. And those things you didn't see in college because they ran a lot of power plays. Mm-hmm. And the holes in the SEC on like when you have an LSU offensive line are way bigger. That's why you yeah. see the Trent Richardsons of the world, and those guys get ten yards of carry because they go through the hole at full steam, and they're way more they're way stronger than people. I would compare him. That, to, Go ahead. And I want you to tell me if you think this is accurate. I would compare him to like a, a player in basketball who's really good at the fast break, right? Because like when he get going, he damn he's hard as hell to stop. Like he one of the few people I know who could be standing straight up and hit somebody with a spin move. Like yeah. most of the cats that spin it, like they they have a, a low base. He's standing straight up. He he barely slow down. He's with that spin move like yeah. on that one big play he had. Like you get him on a fast break, the dude is amazing. Yes. But in every other situation, he, he feels below average. Yeah. he. Average. If you remember his rookie year and second year, he had the longest run plays of the year and the highest miles per hour hit by any mm-hmm. player. And that was kind of part of the allure of him coming out of college was you had this dude who was like 230, 6'1", yep. and he ran like blazing 100 time for a big guy. So you're like, holy crap, yeah. this guy's like Adrian Peterson. Because Adrian Peterson was the same way. He was a bit taller running back, a little bigger, but he was fast as hell. Now, right. the the difference is I think Adrian Peterson had a better, better, much better vision and much better initial explosiveness. It's not even yeah. comparable. Whereas Fournette <sighs> looks, looks slow when he first gets the ball, and he doesn't have great shiftiness. I think there's a shift. Okay. Well, running back's agility and shiftiness is weird because you look at Fournette's doing the spin move and it's like, holy crap, that big dude can move. But you look at him moving yeah. side to side and it, it just looks, it's like Derrick Henry. It's why I don't, it's why I wouldn't pick Derrick Henry over like a Nick Chubb. Not that he's not better than Nick Chubb in a lot of ways, but he just can't move side to side very well. So you only can call a certain amount of plays. You can't run zone plays, which is like the running back has yeah. to read the hole. And in the NFL, you got to hit the yeah. hole so quick because the holes just shrink up instantly in the NFL. Yeah, that's why yeah. a lot of teams almost don't go running back. Like like Brady's schemes for so long have always been okay. We're not going to have a special running back because we just need a guy to catch quick flat routes and get like f- five yards. Okay, James mm-hmm. White, Danny perfect. Yeah. We'll get three of those guys in this scheme, rotate them in and out, and they'll just run those kind of things. And then, you know, we'll design run plays that get four yards no matter who's in. Whereas you're hoping Fournette breaks him. And if he doesn't, he's getting two yards. So, yeah. So he's not a great fit for this team. Even that, that's why they haven't fully committed to him. Because talent-wise, you would think he could do certain things. But he's just so limited. It's like Adrian Peterson. He couldn't catch the ball very well. And he wasn't a great – he just wasn't a great pass catcher. And there were some other things to his game that just kind of limited him. Limited him. But he does something so special that you're like, holy crap, this guy's this guy's legit. Yeah, that's it. That's the difference with AP. And you tell me if I'm wrong here, but AP or AD, whatever you call them. Yeah. Uh, the only 
weakness I remember him having as a running back was his inability to catch the ball, right? But like you could run any type any type of run play, it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like you could run the zone play, power play, it didn't whatever it was. Like the dude was an animal. He was yeah. relatively shifty, and he will run over your ass, and he'll run through you. Yeah. Fournette, a lot of times, if you get him before he get going, an arm tackle will take him down. Yeah. You know, like to me, not last game, game before last. Who did they play? But it was a couple of times where he'll hit the hole, and I'm like, that's a 20-yard game. And some dude will be like, ah, stick that arm out there and yeah. he'll trip. I'm like, ah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, hit that's, that home run, bro. That's easily the most disappointing part. So this was also, I was talking to my dad about this. <laughs> my first two videos ever on KTO was Leonard Fournette, and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That was my first two videos. It was That's why Leonard, Fren- yeah, why Leonard Fournette will be the next great NFL running back, and why Tom Brady is the go. That was my first two videos. Though my whole argument, everything I argued for, for Leonard me. Fournette was his similarities to AP, and what didn't translate was he didn't he didn't continue to have that power where he busted through the arm tackles and ran guys over for an extra two to three yards on plays. Whereas yeah. in college, he did that so dominantly that you just felt like it had to translate. That's why he was the right. the first running back taken in a running back stack draft. He went number four overall yeah, because of it, it, he was so much better than everyone in college. They literally made rules for him right. in like high school and junior high where like he only could get the ball so many times because he would run everyone over so bad. Like he was such a physical Damn. dominant beast that they had rules against him. Like he... In like eighth grade, they had him go up and play uh, varsity day. practice, and they had him do a hitting drill yeah. against like their star player. I think it was Tyron Matthew, and he was, was Tyron Matthew. Gra- I was just yeah. going to say that. Yes, yeah, so he's a senior, Tyron Matthew, and and Fournette was as an eighth grade, and he took him on in a tackling drill, and I think he beat him. So he just, he <laughs> I, I think the problem with a guy like that, talent wise, is they never develop like the the grinder work ethic because they're such a beast. It's really hard to have that like mental edge of like working on your weaknesses when you run everyone over every single time you get the ball and you're faster than everyone every time you get to the open field. It makes it so you just kind of ride your physical ability for until it doesn't work. And I think Fournette's never been let, let me like ask a you grinder. This. Go ahead. Maybe maybe that's true, but my question is like how much of that other stuff can you actually develop? Like, you know what I'm saying? Can you go from where Fournette is, you know, with his, with kind of tight hips and stuff like that, if you look at his build and the things that he excel at, like how much better can he, a person like that actually get at, you know, the lateral movement stuff? Like is that something that's like more natural with just like your posture, your running posture and your um, like how your body – like your body yeah. type, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or is that something that she can grind and, and get and improve in? in that's, uh, I, I would lean towards you can't change much, but you never know. Like what if he's like, doesn't have any work ethic and he hardly works out and he just kind of rides his athleticism. And if he did a couple of, you know, yoga classes and, and worked on his hips, like all of a sudden it changes his ability. Like I'm not saying you can change much, but there's guys who don't work that hard. And, I, I and I'm, I'm, I'm really not know. trying to say that he doesn't work hard. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, he we, might work we're just hard. speculating. We don't fucking know. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I would be curious to know if he's like, if he was a player who was aware of those weaknesses, tried to address them, and just didn't get a whole lot of uh, improvement out of it, or 
if he was a cat who was like, bruh, I'm Leonard fucking Fournette. Did you see my my high school highlight tape? Did you yeah. see what I did at LSU? Give me the damn ball. We straight. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm curious as hell to know like which way that was. Because yeah. You know, I'm wondering if he if he left a little bit of a tread on the tires, like if he left some stuff on the table, or if he if he kind of got close to maxing out what he could do, and this is just what he always was gonna be, and it just wasn't gonna it ever it wasn't yeah. ever gonna translate to the NFL, especially with the way the game is now with all the passing and stuff. Here's what I know: I know he took so much pride in how good he was already, because his first year in the NFL, he would do that thing where he would like tell the defender to come over to him and he would lower his head and try to run him yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and so you know that he's thinking about that. He's like, oh, I'm about to run this guy over, get that sick highlight. It's like, oh, Leonard Fournette crushes some dude. And he never really did. He never like, he hasn't had that wow moment in the NFL other than his long breakaway runs. He hasn't had that wow trucking someone moment. He ran over a so, few corners. Yeah, corners. but overall no, you I see what Derrick Henry does and that's yeah. what people thought Fournette could do. Right, right. So I, I I think it does come down to limited ability in other areas, and those weaknesses get so exposed in the NFL. Like a quarterback with a weenie arm, you know, those guys. If you throw them in an air raid system in college, it's like they 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 you don't see that weakness as much because the, the the routes are so much more open. But in the NFL, it doesn't work, and that weakness gets shrank up instantly. So you throw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns and no picks in college, that doesn't matter at all when your arm's not strong enough to throw the ball in the NFL. And the it's funny just, thing is, it can all be addressed with some self-awareness and some work ethic, right? Because if you look at Breeze, feels like a bad example because of, you know, he looked really bad this year. But if yeah. you look at Breeze's career, he's never had a big arm. But his anticipation, his touch, his, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that pass that Rodgers missed, like, Breeze, bro, Breeze not missing that. Breeze in the mirror going through his damn progressions in his head. 30 minutes after practice. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? So he he saw what his limitation was and then he boosted his other senses. It's like a like a blind person, right? Like, you know, you can't see. They say your hearing gets very good. And your yeah. smell, like, you know what I'm saying? All your other senses raise up to uh to compensate. And some players are aware enough to do that and then some not. Well, here's what I have to say about that. So you look at you look at players and the big the big thing about NFL players is who gets a shot and who doesn't. Because the talent level between sort of like the C and B level players is not that much. Like there's the superstars, like the Tyreek Hills and the Mahomes, who are like, okay, those guys are so special. You can see it through the TV. And then there's like the guys who are on the bench and starters that you don't know their name and they're not household names. All those guys are pretty interchangeable talent-wise. Now, it comes down to two things, like what do the coaches see in practice and who gets a shot? Because Breeze was a third-round pick, I believe, which a lot of third-round quarterbacks don't even get a shot. Maybe they're a backup. That's usually a backup-level pick. Um, and qu quarterbacks who are third-round picks who get a chance to start are usually kicked, like ran to the streets pretty quickly because that's a third-round pick. Like, a lot of teams don't value that as their starting court. Like, Kaiser was a second-round pick, and they were already ready to move off him because it was like, okay, he needs a lot to develop. Whatever, we're just going to move on. When you develop, when when you talk about, like, a first-round pick, you really want to take the time to build that guy because it's a lot of investment. Now, Breeze kind of got that. He got to start in San Diego for a while, so he got enough years to kind of figure it out, and he threw a ton of picks. 
he was like the pick master for like three, <laughs> four years. And then he got hurt. And then the Chargers were like, yeah, okay, we're, I think we're done with this guy. He's not special. He throws a lot of picks. And, you know, he's just got hurt on his, uh, I, I can't remember if it was shoulder or collarbone, but yeah. So it's like, that's, that's already like, okay, this isn't worth it. And really anyone who's on the outside looking at that would say the same thing. Now the saints pick him up and you get a guy with four years of experience in the NFL of a starting quarterback. That's a lot of games. A lot of those guys who have the same level of talent as breeze never get that many games. And so when you don't get the in game reps, those are so much more valuable than practice reps and any sort of mental prep you can do because you can't really develop the, the same level of anticipation. You can't like fine tune it the same way you can if you don't get real game reps. And someone like Breeze got that chance, and then he had the mental fortitude to be able to like continue to hone like hone in its craft. And so he got enough years of that to where he got into a good system, and he had developed enough to where they're like, okay, we're gonna ride or die with you, and then it just worked from there. So I guess I think a part of that, I think a part of the reason that a person like Breeze get those chances is because his demeanor, right? So if I'm a coach, when I see how he works, I see how he approaches, I see the the respect he get from his teammates. Once you check those boxes, you're gonna get a longer leash. Like a lot of these cats, man, they'll come in, they'll be backups. They don't really take it as seriously or they just won't have that conviction, right? To where when you hear them talk, you're like, yeah, that's a backup. Like, you know what I'm saying? Not based on talent, just based on demeanor. You feel me? Because it's certain demeanors. Now, if you if you Justin Herbert talent, it don't matter. You feel what I'm saying? We're going to rally around you because you you like, you that dude. But if you Drew Brees and you got a weak personality, you're not getting that chance in New Orleans. I don't care what nobody say. Like, you're not getting that shot. Like, I'm not going to give you the keys to my goddamn franchise for yeah. what? Like, you can't even throw and you can't lead. You see what I'm saying? So I guess the way I look at it, you got to be able to do something. You got to look at what you do good and then figure out how to build around that to, to get you on a level to where you're going to get an opportunity. Now, obviously, we know this shit ain't completely fair. A lot of people's never going to get chances that completely deserve them. Yeah. It happens all the time. But I'm just saying, this is what you need to do if you want to get yourself the best chance. You feel what I'm saying? And I feel like Bree did that, and it gave him that opportunity, and then you know he took it and ran with it, obviously. I have an example of someone who falls right into what you're talking about, and it's Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater's a dude mm. who... Yeah. He got drafted in the late first round, so they clearly invested in this dude. And he had a solid first two years. He was rookie of the year, Pepsi rookie of the year, and then he was a pro bowler his second year, and they were a playoff team. They lost on that terrible field goal by Blair Walsh, which was like a 25-yard field goal. He pulled it. And uh, training camp next year, he gets devastatingly hurt. When he gets back, they have already moved on. So you're talking about on the field wise, nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He had rookie of the year and a pro bowl level quarterback. He gets back after an injury and they've already moved on. He goes and sits for like two years before he gets another shot. When he gets that shot, he goes five and oh for the Saints. Yeah. Cause what other place is a quarterback supposed to go to other than the Saints when they don't get a shot? Breeze did it, and then Bridgewater. So Bridgewater goes in, and he goes James. 5-0 and as the starter. Nine touchdowns, two picks. I know all this because I'm working on a video right now that involves Bridgewater. 
But then he earned the starting job in Carolina. Carolina's struggling right now because they're in a rebuild. But you're talking about a guy who day in and day out went through a almost a two-year-long rehab for an injury, mm-hmm. sat for another two years after that. And then was a backup. Was a backup. Got his shot. Proved himself. And now he's got a starting job for a for a team. Right. And just the level of like mental like toughness you have to have to be able to get to that. Because it's not like okay he put in a couple of years. No, it's like he was the starter and did nothing wrong. And he had to put in four years of grinding and being completely forgotten about and just like thrown to the side. And if but, not for his personality and his leadership traits, because even when he was with the Saints as a backup. He had a leadership role on that team. Locker room loved it. You yeah. feel me? And when you're that dude, you're going to get another opportunity. Like, even in a cutthroat-ass league where, again, he lost his job completely to no fault of his own. Yeah. But because of his personality and his leadership traits, he was able to coerce that into – he was getting pretty good. He was getting paid pretty good with the Saints, like, for a backup. Yeah. And then he went and got another real contract to be the starter over at Carolina. And if we – like, if we honest, from just a talent standpoint, Teddy Bridgewater is not the most talented quarterback. He doesn't really no. have a big arm. He's not super athletic when you're going to compare him to the, the really athletic quarterback. He is more of an average quarterback from a physical standpoint. But because of the, his mental capabilities and his leadership capabilities, twice he's been able to be a starter for two different franchises. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. it just it go a long way to where he could have got mad and like, oh, they, they took my spot and I ain't deserve that. And they, they did me wrong. And, oh, I ain't taking no backup job. Like, he could have, if he had that energy, bro, his career don't end up going the way it's been going. Like, yeah. he don't even have the resurgence that he had. It's The opposite story is someone like Vince Young. Someone who struggles Ooh. to, like, accept, okay, I'm going to learn. Maybe I have to sit on the bench. Okay, I got to prove myself again. He was the opposite type of energy. Yeah. Because he was such a badass in college Damn. and he knew it that when you get yeah. to the pros and it's not the same and you make mistakes and then the coaches are on your ass and then you get benched, it's like the way he handled it handled it was so poor compared to someone who like Teddy Bridgewater got screwed over. And just like the differences yeah. in like the mental game for those two is like such a great like example yeah. of what you can do, what what you can come sure. back from. And uh yeah, I just I just find those kind of stories so interesting because Teddy Bridgewater's yeah. probably never gonna get you to a TV screen because how impressive he is on the field. Who knows if right. if the Panthers with him at quarterback are ever gonna be a great team? But the fact that he got to where he is now from everything he's been through is a story worth telling. It's sure. really one of the great the the 2014 NFL draft like quarterback class. He was easily like probably the fifth most talented quarterback in that. You had Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, uh, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, all of them had different levels of hype because of different reasons, but Bridgewater talent-wise was easily the least of all of them. He was the smallest. He had the worst arm, but his mental capabilities got him drafted in the first round alone, pretty much. Yep. Yep. He had the talent of like a fourth or fifth-round pick, but the mental side of like someone that they knew could be the guy. Yeah. And the Vikings went away from that because they, they had a team built ready to win and they decided to go after a Kirk cousins and they really are never going to be that great. Like the, the yeah. Vikings. Yeah. The Kirk cousins move was great for Kirk. I never really got the Kirk hype. You know what I mean? 
I agree. It's weird. When you do just good enough in the NFL as a quarterback, that seems to get the attention of GMs enough so they're like, I would rather have an average quarterback than take the risk of getting a, a good quarterback and most likely getting yeah. a bad quarterback. Like, that's the even like the, I wanted the Browns to get Kirk Cousins because I was such a desperate fan for a half decent quarterback. I was like, I don't care if we pay him 50 million. Just yeah, go get that guy. Oh, you wanted him to get him after you saw him in Washington. No. Oh, or come uh, out of college. No, no, no. After when he was, I'll admit this when he was a free agent and teams were looking to sign him when the Browns were one of the teams, I got excited. And then when he didn't sign with that, I was upset. And it's looking back now, I I obviously disagree with that. But at the time, the Browns were so desperate for a, a any sort of stability. I was like, ooh, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah. You live and you learn. Hey, take a pause real quick. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you like that? Well, I do want to ask you. I was just, like, reading news. And mm-hmm. this is old news now, a few days old. But okay. I want to hear your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins to Pittsburgh. Um, I'm glad he get another shot. Um, from a from a straight up football standpoint, right? Like if he go in there, really get serious about football, it's a great situation. Cause being on his last legs, you got damn good receiving core, a stable franchise. You know what I'm saying? That'll stick with you for a long ass time. So it's a it's almost ideal, bro. Like he. He low-key fill up. You know what I'm saying? Now, the question is, is his mind right yet? Because according to all the reports and even people like I know close to the situation, he really wasn't taking it serious when he was with Washington. So it's really just going to be on him, bro. Also, I don't know how welcoming Ben is going to be. Like, he kind of got a history of kind of being a, you know, a little bit of a dick when it comes to anything, any perceived competition in the building for him. But, I mean, if he is willing yeah. to impart a little bit of knowledge on him, like, don't 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 copy his off-season habits. You feel me? But just the way he approached the actual game, you know what I'm saying, copy that. And he got an opportunity to do something. Now, am I nervous, like, as a Bengals fan? No, I'm not. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad he got another shot, and I hope he make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I – I, I kind of hope that he becomes the guy for a few years and like while they're trying to figure it out because I just don't – like from a Browns perspective, I don't think it's going to work out. And I could see them going like, oh, let's let's develop this guy under Ben for a year and maybe he can be the guy and they have no other choice yeah. after this year. Yeah. That's, you know, from a Browns perspective, from like a human perspective, yeah, I hope I hope maybe a year of – like realizing where you are changes his mind. It's just hard to see that because you've seen so many guys like the Vince Youngs, the Johnny Manziels, who they never accept. Like if they came into the NFL with a certain mindset, they didn't exit the NFL with a different mindset. Yeah. Trying and to think that's, 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 there's a few guys every year or every few years that fall right into that category. Cause it goes back to what I'm saying about mega talented dudes. Like when you're, Winning without trying at high school, winning without trying that hard in college, what's going to change? When do, when does your mindset go like, okay, now it's time to get real because now I'm making a lot. Like as soon as you get paid tens of millions after not trying that hard, what's your motivation? Okay, you're not that great anymore. 
oh, too bad. Like, did you see what Manziel said after the Browns game? Mm-mm. No, so Manziel tweeted like a he tweeted a, like a gif of like the oh like the Browns lost like drinking tea or something like something mocking the Browns just like oh wow. and someone and then people sort of responding like like oh yeah says the guy who's probably sitting in his mom's basement and he's like no I'm sitting at the top of like a five star hotel like I still got I'm still getting paid from the Browns like all this type of stuff like that kind of energy. <laughs> That's tough. And it just shows where those kind of guys end up. They get paid and then they ride that for as long as they can. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them go broke, but Manzel's obviously like he, he's the type of guy who is going to college parties still and like talking about 2012. <laughs> like, "Oh, hey. do you see what I did against Alabama?" He's My got that type is, of energy, hanging out with like twenty-four-year-olds. Why is he upset with the Browns? Like, what what did the Browns do to him? That, like, he feels slighted by the Browns. It's okay. I, I'm not gonna try to turn this into like the I'm Hainsworth just situation. Curious, but it when, seems like. But when when people get called, when people get told like how it is, so like Manziel got exposed in Cleveland. For a lot of things. One, n- no good work ethic off the field. He didn't know any of the plays. <sighs> Two, he actually wasn't as talented as people thought. And three, he couldn't change those things. He had the chance to. He went to rehab after his first year. And if anything, he got worse. And he still has off the field issues to this day. He couldn't even get on. He couldn't stay on a yeah. CFL roster. You know, like he kept. Man. breaking team policies he years the down AAF the road. And he wasn't and the, the best quarterback on his team there. Yeah, no. Tough. So you're talking about a guy who wrote his talent as long as he could, and anyone who says anything bad about him, he gets upset because deep down he knows it's true. But he wants to live off of the, the success that he got himself into okay. in the first place. So he's really mad at Brown's fans. That's, that's just how I see it. He's mad at Brown's fans. Because I'm like, I was trying to think like – why would he be mad at the Browns organization? But he kind of want to stick it to the fans that he feel like been been shitting on him and calling him a. Well, bus. also imagine he's been told. Imagine he's been told enough that like oh like his his yes men are like oh yeah the Browns ruined your career because they're such a bad organization, and you know they that's where quarterbacks go to die. So imagine that's what he tells himself because he doesn't want to accept that he just didn't have a good work ethic. So he's like oh yeah the Browns were the problem, and so he loves to see the Browns continue to fail because it backs up. His it it like kind of makes him feel better about himself, I guess. He doesn't want to see something succeed that he could have been in. He could have been he could have been where Baker is. Baker is exactly everything that Manziel's not. He did he messed up in college. He had some off the field issues and immaturity issues, even into the NFL. And Baker started to change those things, and he's becoming a franchise quarterback. And it's happening right in front of Manziel's eyes. And you've got to, like, imagine that perspective. There was this whole narrative. Like, before Baker played a game for Cleveland, there was this stupid ESPN clip of, like, Manziel writing, Dear Baker Mayfield, when you go to Cleveland, things are a certain way. And it's like this whole thing of him writing a letter to Baker, like, signed Johnny Manziel. P.S., you know, Cleveland's really tough for quarterbacks. Like, some stupid little, like, five-minute segment and it was this whole like, oh, Baker's just like Johnny, you know, we'll see how this goes. It'll probably go the same. And now it's working for Baker. So Baker gets to separate himself from that Johnny narrative. He already has, but he's excelling past that. He's just flying away from that. And Mansell's now like, 
oh, wow, Baker's way better than you. He's doing way better than you ever did. And he's just sinking lower and lower into this, like, reality of, like, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> and I'm, I am still upset about yeah. it. That's just what it feels like from the outside yeah, looking. Yeah, because I'm like, bro. Dude who can't accept reality. It's really just weird to me. I'm like, come on, bro. You got to accept that you fucked up. And it's just weird that he's still that pissed off at the Browns and he's blaming it all on, the, on y'all. I don't know. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, the, the Haskins news. You know, man, we talked about the Manziel thing. Uh, is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess... We'll talk about the Super You want to talk about the Super Bowl next week? We can. Let it sit for a week so you can get yeah. some opinions on it. Yeah, we can let it sit. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't think my yeah, I mean, change. <laughs> I feel how I feel. Yeah, I guess it just gives us something to talk about next week. All right, man. All right, man. So we'll go ahead and um, park with this cool. one. Right? We'll pull over part. We'll end it here. This is episode 20. Yeah, man. Yeah. Episode, episode the Big Barry 20. Sanders. You feel me? So, hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll catch y'all boys in the next one. Peace. See ya.